preach this morning on the subject, desiring him or his wealth. You'll understand as I go through the message this morning. Throughout the Word of God, from the very beginning in Genesis and the Garden of Eden, to the end in Revelation 22 when we are in heaven, God has always desired to be in the presence of His people. He's always desired for His people to be or desired to be in His presence. For the nation of Israel, God always prepared a place where they would know His presence would be so they could be with Him in His presence. For example, when the children of Israel left the land of Egypt and made their long journey through the wilderness to the land of Canaan, He had prepared for them a moving tabernacle. It was a huge tent of a tabernacle, and it was a place where the Spirit and presence of God would meet or would meet them and His presence would dwell because God desired to be among His people and His people to fellowship with Him. There was a certain piece of furniture in the Old Testament called the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark is where, the Ark of the Covenant is where the presence and power of God would dwell upon. And when that Ark of the Covenant was with them, God would protect them, God would prosper them, and God would bless them. There was one time that the enemy thought, if we can steal the Ark of the Covenant, we can take all of their blessings from them. And I'll not go into that story, but they stole that Ark of the Covenant. And it was King David that organized his men to get back of the Ark of the Covenant, and he rejoiced in the returning of that Ark, not just because of that piece of furniture, but because that's where the presence of God was on that Ark or on that piece of furniture. Don't miss a statement. God desires for you and I to dwell in His presence. I fear that there are so many that see God for what He has or see God for what they can get from Him that they never desire to be close to Him as a person because of, what the, of, what, of the things that they desire to get from Him. I think one of the most amazing things about the God of heaven is that the eternal God who is not constrained by the existence of time, the infinite God who is not bound by the constraints of space, the God who dwells above and beyond time and space, condescended to the weakness of man to fellowship with man. Would you think about that with me, please, that God desires, has always desired, and one day we will be for all eternity in His presence. One of my favorite Old Testament verses is that of Isaiah 57 and verse number 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. Now I can say that, but I really can't comprehend it. If we said lived in the 10th, 11th, and 12th century, we could understand that because that is a measurable space of time. 
But when the Bible says that God has always been for eternity past and eternity future, it's hard for us to comprehend because we can't comprehend eternity. And that's how big our God is. And the Bible says in the rest of that verse, not only is He the one that inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, and he dwells among the high and holy place. And then it says this, with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Not only does God dwell in vast eternity in the place of holiness, he also dwells with those that are of a contrite spirit or those that hunger from within to be with him. You've heard me tell the story many times about the boy and girl that were playing outside and, and one said to the other, I'm hungry. And the boy said, I'll go get us a peanut butter sandwich from mom. And so he ran up to the house and, and a few minutes he came back and she said, where's the sandwiches? And he said, mom wouldn't give me a sandwich. She said it was too close to supper time. She said, let me try so she goes up to the house in just a few minutes. She comes back with a peanut butter sandwich in each hand. And he said, how did you get those sandwiches? She said, I cried. When I told mom we were hungry, I started crying. And when I did, mom made me the sandwich. You see, the Bible says God dwells not only in eternity, but he dwells with those who are of a contrite heart. Now, it's an amazing thing to me that the God of eternity wants to fellowship with man that is limited in time and space. It is also said to me that many see God for the wealth that he has, his power and strength, rather than who he is. And I want you to know there is a difference. Some want just what God has and some want Him. I want you to take your Bibles go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 and I want you to notice down in verse number 7. Some desire God and they just call on Him in times of trouble when they need bailed out. And then there are those who are faithful to walk with Him, faithful to attend church because it's not just what He has, but who He is that interests us and that we have learned to love. Proverbs, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 3. And notice, if you will, what the Bible says in verse number 7. What things were gained to me, those I counted lost, for Christ. Now Paul is saying, I used to be a wealthy man and I lived in religion, but since I met Christ, I now live not in religion, but in a relationship with the one who loved me. He said, I'd rather have my relationship than have the things I had in religion. Verse number eight, 
yea, doubtless, and I count all things for law, but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Notice that, the knowledge of Christ Jesus. He wants to know Him. He doesn't just see Him as the one that owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't just see Him as one that could bless Him financially or prosper Him in His life or in His business. He sees Him as somebody that He wants to get to know. The knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ and be found in him not having mine own righteousness which is of the law but that which is through the faith of Christ the righteousness which is of God by faith. Look at verse number 10. That I may know him. He doesn't say that I can have what God would give me but he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. What was the power of his resurrection? It was the Holy Spirit power. He said, I want to know him. I want to know that Holy Spirit power and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. He's not saying so that I can get saved. I'm working my way to salvation. He's saying I want to know him who is the power of resurrection. You see, you have, not, uh, you have not begun the benefits of the Christian life until you have started seeking His presence rather than His wealth. Many folks pray and ask God to give them things. There's nothing wrong with having a need and telling God what that need is. Certainly He is able. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the wealth in every mind. He's the God that put it there and certainly He can meet our need and give us those things. But the Bible is teaching us here that rather than just seeking those things, there ought to come a time in our life that we seek to know Him as a person. Let me give you this illustration. This past Friday, I was one of the speakers at the funeral of Russell Anderson. I knew Russell Anderson personally for about 25 years, and his basic testimony was that he grew up poor in southeast Kentucky. He learned to work hard. He trapped muskrats and minks and sold them. He'd tan their hide and mail them to Sears and Roebuck Company and get 50 cents a hide, maybe $2 for a mink and 50 cents for a muskrat, something like that. He learned to work in the coal mines. He became a number one coal loader. He worked hard. And he then moved to Ypsilanti, Michigan. He be began a business that became two and then three and then four and then seven businesses that he had. And he became a very successful businessman. Uh, they said that he earned somewhere around $100 million uh, in his life. He gave $40 million of his uh, earnings uh, just to churches and, and most of that to foreign mission fields. Now, I've known him for 25 years. Now, it was interesting to get to know him because I'd never known anybody that had as many things and had as much is what he had. And, 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 and you know, that, that was intriguing to see his cars or a car collection. Uh, he had a condominium in uh, Hawaii and just, just a lot of different things. And it would get people's attention just because he was a wealthy man. I remember the first time that he and his wife ate a meal with us. Now, he was easy to feed because his favorite thing is one of my favorite things, pinto beans and cornbread. 
And, but, but we were nervous, and I don't know what my wife prepared to eat, but he and his wife, Maxine, who are both in heaven now, uh, they came to eat with us. We, we were nervous. We were nervous because they were there. We were nervous because we have kids. We have children. You never know how children are going to behave. We didn't know. And uh, I'll never forget one of the very first things off the bat she began to tell a story about her little dog that she loved so much. And she had had to put the dog to sleep because it had been sick. And then she said it cost $200. I don't remember what the number was, but it was a lot of money. And so I was sitting there looking like I felt sorry for the little dog and for her. Jeremy was about five or six years old. I don't know how old he was. But Jeremy said, $200? He said, I had a rabbit that got sick and dad just hit him in the head with a hammer. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, 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 and then, of course, the Lord called him home. But, uh, but I'll, I'll never forget, that was our first meal they ate with us. Many people through the years, and I preached with Russell Anderson, he was a businessman, and he would challenge businessmen as he did men in our church in those days. And, and I saw many people, they wanted to get to know Brother Anderson. Don't miss, this is the illustration I want you to give. They wanted to get to, get to know him for what he had. But I realized that man knows something that caused him to earn what he had. I'm not as interested in what he had as knowing what he knew. So, when we preached together in tent revivals across Kentucky, I would meet with him every morning at 5 o'clock. And we would read the Bible together, we would pray together, and he would tell me how he built his businesses. Now, business principles and Bible principles are usually the same thing. A very honest, hard-working businessman. And it was more valuable to me to learn what he knew than to try to get what he had. Are you with me today? I know several of you folks that are successful business people. You are. And most of you that I know, you have spoken of your mentors. People that taught you what you do, whether you're a builder or a salesman, whatever the case may be. You had a mentor or mentors. And at some point in time, rather than you looking at all the things that they had and trying to get what they had, you attempted to learn what they knew because if you knew what they knew and you did what they did, you could produce your own rather than living your life trying to get what they had learned. Are you with me this morning? And it would do young men and young ladies well when you see someone that is successful in life and successful in, 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 in ministry, successful in business and whatever, Rather than us coveting what they have, it would be better to learn what they know. Now don't miss what I'm about to tell you. Many folks have received a huge inheritance 
from a, from a company or a parent that was successful and that inheritance ruined their life. But those who learned the principles and the work and the behavior of what produced that, they became a success because they followed that pattern. And that's what the Bible teaches us. Don't be a Christian that just says, God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. But be a Christian that says, Lord, teach me. Teach me. I want to fellowship with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to learn your mind. I want to learn your heart. I want to learn your spirit. I want to learn your behavior. You know, you know, you know what I learn about successful people? They're usually kind people. Kindness will help you in anything in life. I've learned that they are principled people. They live by principle. They live by schedule. And I'm not going to go through a list of details. But what I'm saying is, it would be better if we knew who God was better than just being a person that said, Lord, give me, give me, give me. Because if God just gives us without us earning, it most of the time will ruin our life rather than us learning and it blessing our life. I like the statement that Dr. Jorgensen makes often. He says, every time I pray for money, God gives me a job. That's a good thing. You see, we need to desire. I, I had the privilege to know pastors of a past generation. Sometimes as they got older, they were just a tad cantankerous. I'm just preparing you ahead of time. <laughs> they, 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 they were a tad, maybe a little bit difficult to get to know. And the reason they were difficult to get to know because everybody was trying to get what they had, but when they found out I wanted to learn what they knew, they were kind and they were helpful to a preacher. You see, there were times in my early ministry that I've been asked to consider becoming the pastor of a large church. And I always said, I don't want to do that. I'd rather build a church than become the pastor of a large church. I'd, I'd, I'd rather build buildings. I, I'd rather win people to Christ. I, I'd rather love people from, from the time of their salvation and through their Christian life. And, and I'm not against pastors taking churches. I'm not against that. But I've, I've not considered that in my life in ministry because I don't want what someone has. Oh, I want to know what they know. I want to learn what they know. Ah, oh, but let me tell you something, dear friend. I have a God in heaven. Yes, He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Yes, he owns the wealth in every mind. Yes, they use gold to pave the streets in heaven. But I don't want to spend my Christian life begging God to give me what he has. I want to spend my Christian life with him, learning him. For when I am with him, I get not just the things that he has. I get everything that he is. Those who receive what they have Will most, likely be re, will most likely be ruined in life, but those who receive what they know will succeed in life. Take your Bibles and go with me to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11. 
if there is a secret to my life and work, and I, I, I absolutely, I'm in love with what I do. I, I just, I love it. I live it. I breathe it. I love it. I love preaching. I love spending time with God. I, I, I love all that I do, everything that I do. In fact, my doctor said one of the difficult things about you when I talk about stress and I name all the things that I call stress, and those are things that you love. You love the stress that you do. Sometimes I get tired. Yes, we, we all get tired. But I want to show you a key to strength. I, I want to show you a key to, to, to staying rejuvenated and to stay uh, on top and keep moving forward. He says in Matthew chapter 11, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then he says this, Take my yoke upon you, and I love this phrase, and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Many times I've been sitting on an airplane, <clears throat> and I would see the fuel truck come up to fill the airplane up with fuel. I was, uh, we, <laughs> I was on a delay the other day, and that's just part of life and delay in the airlines and and uh, they, they had a mechanical delay and then they said we're almost time to go almost time to go and they promised us three hours in a row in an hour we were leaving and and then it was time to go and they said oh during that time we should have refueled the plane but we didn't and now we're going to fuel the plane after the delay and and so I, I'm sitting there and I watch this little truck and, and, and it's not little, but compared to the airplane, it's big. The airplane wings are so big, and that's usually where a good part of the fuel is, is in, in those wings. And I was sitting there, and I was watching as they hooked up the, uh, the big gas lines to the airplane, and we just sat there, and it seemed like nothing was happening, but something was happening. They were transfer, transferring the fuel from the truck to the airplane. That is a picture of the key to rest, to energy, to serving God, to joy, to overcoming difficulty. It's spending time with God. You know, if, if, if some Christian's life, if, if, if some Christian's cell phone was like their prayer life, your phone would be dead by 8 o'clock in the morning. Because we don't spend time with God. Now listen to me. We do ask God for what we need. But it would be like a young man going to a businessman and saying, could I have one of your cars? You have four cars. Could I have some of your money? You have a lot of money. That businessman would say, get a job, bud. Earn your own money and buy your own car. And that's what he should say. And you know what God tells us? God tells us, I don't want to just give you what you need. I want you to love me. I want you to spend time with me. And I'm preaching to you today to say, there ought to be times in our lives that we go to God and we say, I didn't come to ask for anything. I just want to be in your presence. You will be amazed at what will happen in your life. 
You know, no, you know, there are many times in the last 25 years, I just, I just wanted to be with Russell Anderson. He taught me, you know, I did the general contracting work for this building, and so any mistake, if, if, if some of the fellows that work for me messed things up. Uh, but, but I did the general contracting. You, you know how I learned to do that? Spending time with Russell Anderson. He told me how to get bids and how to read bids. He told me how to read blueprints. I could have spent my time saying, hey, Doc, when you die, can I have that truck? Hey, Doc, uh, you have uh, three watches. I don't have one. Can I? I didn't do that. I never asked him for anything. A friend of mine told me, he said, I never asked him for a dime. He said, I asked him for a million dollars once, but I never asked him for a dime. <laughs> but the time I spent with him, I learned... And, and, and we saved more than a million dollars in this property alone in doing that. But friend, think with me this morning. It's not just spending time with someone who's smart on this earth. It's spending time with God. Let me give you some verses. Will you listen to these please? Psalm 1611. Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is the fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. I want to be in his presence. Spending time with him, I mean, why, why, why don't we turn the television off and turn the internet off? Why don't we just spend some time with God? You'd be amazed at the joy you'll find just being in his presence. You'll be amazed at the wisdom you'll find just being in his presence. I've got to hurry. Exodus 33, 14, and he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. Psalm 27, 8, When thou saidst, seek my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Think about that. Thy face will I seek. It's a precious thing to watch a mother look at the new baby. Just to look at the baby. And then to see as the baby gets older, the eyes of that baby just looking into the eyes of its mother. That's how I want to be with God. I don't want to live my Christian life saying, Lord, would you give me this and would you give me that? Would you give me this? Can I tell you, uh, today, this building is here today. I, I mean, after the bank said, I'm sorry, we can't continue with the loan after COVID. This building is a result of God's people spending time with God and giving and sacrificing and God blessing that. I'm preaching today. Let's not just be beggars of God. Let's be sons of God. Let's fellowship with the God, with the King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm out of time. I'm going to give you three quick things. Take your Bibles and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to give you, a, I want to give you an example. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to give you an example of, of what I'm talking about. Sometimes we just say, Lord, will you take the problem away, please? But rather than God taking away the problem, there's a lesson he wants us to learn. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, look at verse number 7. 2 Corinthians 12, 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Paul said, God did not want me to be filled with pride. He had blessed me so much. He didn't want me to be filled with pride, so he gave me a thorn in the flesh. Verse number 8, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. Three different times. Lord, take away this problem. Lord, take away this thorn in the flesh. Three different seasons of prayer. Verse number nine. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. 
You know what he said to Paul? He said, Paul, I'm not going to take away the burden, but I'm going to make you stronger so you can bear the burden. Now, what we want God to do is take away all the problems and give us all the blessings. But God gives us that thorn in the flesh so that we will trust in Him. And then God gives us the grace to carry the burden. Now, notice what Paul said. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in... Notice he doesn't say God's treasures. I'll glory in my infirmities. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches, in necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. Why? Notice this phrase, and I'm finished. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Now, what did Paul mean? How could he be strong by being weak? In Paul's weakness, here's what he did he went to God. Lord, Would you take away this thorn in the flesh? God says, no, Paul. I won't take away the thorn, but I'll give you the grace to bear it. So Paul says, I went to the presence of God. And in the presence of God, I found that in my weakness, connected to Him, my weakness, His strength is made perfect. And I'm preaching a message today to tell us Let's just not go through a prayer list of things we want God to give us. Let's spend time in the presence of God and see if we don't get a better deal. Just learning from God and being in His presence because a lot of times God will give you much more than you would have even asked for if you'll fellowship with Him. Stand with me this morning.